0: Hello, friends. Welcome to Read 'em and Weep. It's me, your host, Sammy. And on this episode, I got a couple of hands that I played this week from two different sessions. But the thing that these hands have in common is they both are five ways to the flop. And in live poker, man, you see these extreme multi way scenarios quite a bit. Online, you never see them. But in live poker, it's kind of the nature of the beast. And if you're able to navigate these spots well, it can be a huge source of profit. And in this episode, I do navigate one of the situations well. In both hands, I try to pull off slick little multi-way bluffs. One of them I find a good spot and everything lines up and I get it through. And the other one I uh I crash and burn in an ill-advised manner. So let's quit pussyfooting around. Let's get into the hands. All right, hand one. This hand comes from earlier tonight, actually. I played a session at my hometown casino, the California Grand, and we're playing two three-five with a 1k max. In early position recreational limps for five and then the next guy in early position raises to 20. There's two callers after that and it gets to me on the button and I have ace jack offsuit and I decide to call. Certainly you can mix in some three bets with this hand but in general my strategy from the button is to have a lot of flat calls. And my three bets are going to be derived from a really polarized range, really top end hand like aces, kings, ace, king, ace, queen, hands like that. And then some really junky hands, you know, hands like five, six suited or king, do suited occasionally. Ace, jack is just kind of a medium strength hand. So I don't really want to use it as a three bet all that often. So I call and the early position limper calls too. So we go five ways to this flop. I'm on the button. I have ace, jack offsuit. And the flop comes queen, queen nine with two spades. Again, I have ace, jack, offsuit, and I have the ace of spades. So the early position limper checks, and the original razor checks. And then it gets a third guy, but the fourth guy actually checks at a turn. And the third guy, who's this very recreational player, he sees the guy check out a turn, and then he quickly bets 35 into 100. Now the guy who's trying to check folds and it gets to me. So again, the flop is queen, queen, nine with two spades. I have ace, jack with the ace of spades. And I decide to call here for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't think that my hand certainly is very good at this point, but I really have some good properties to turn my hand into into a bluff later in, in the pot. So it's queen, queen, nine, two spades. I have the ace of spades. I also have a jack. So I figure that if the board runs out in a way where a third spade card or a king or an eight come, uh, I can represent the jack 10 straight or I can represent the flush. Having blockers to both of those hands is mega important. The second factor is that this recreational player who's bet out 35 into 100, he's already made a couple of really big folds. Uh, Earlier, he folded 10-7 on a jack 9-8 flop. So he flopped the second nut's And he bet and this guy called and he bet and this guy called and then on the river, he bets and the guy raises them all in when the board pairs and he ended up folding the hand and the guy showed him a full house and then he made another big fold later. But the point is, is that this guy has shown that he can lay down a hand like some recreationals will never fold and you don't really want to bluff those guys. But this guy seemed pretty bluffable. Uh, The other thing was he got kind of positive reinforcement because he was right to make both of these folds and and the people showed it to him. So I figure he will be in a folding mood uh, should the correct cards come for me. So I decide to float the 35. And that's another part is the, the bet was only a third of the pot. So I'm getting like four to one. So I decide to float in position. And the early position limp caller also now check calls. So we go three ways to a turn with a little more than 200 in the pot. And the turn comes an amazing card for me. It comes the king of spades. Filling both draws. Filling both the jack 10 straight draw and the flush draw. And these are both the hands I'm trying to represent. So here we go, buddy. We are about to get busy. The early position check caller, he checks. And now the recreational player bets 45 and I am following through with my plan, the recreational player has about 750 or 800 in front of him. So I figure if I raise here to about 200, even if he calls, even if he's got a queen in this spot, and I think he often does have a queen, because even though the flush came out, he still continues to bet, but he made this tiny little bitch-ass bet. Like, he wasn't sure that he should check, but he didn't want to bet big because he's scared of the flush. Like, for sure, this guy likely has a queen. And a lot of the time you don't really want to bluff people off really strong hands, but I just think in this situation with my blockers against this guy who's who's shown that he can fold big hands, he may call this raise on the turn, but then I'm going to blast off for his last like 550 or 600 on the river and no goddamn way this guy is going to be able to call. He's going to make another big fold and we're going to win the pot. So this is the plan that I have and I see it really clearly and I think it's a pretty good plan. So the guy bets 45, I raise to 200. Now the early position guy who limp called pre and and check called on the flop, he laughs ruefully. He shows his hand to his neighbor and he folds. And it gets back to our victim in middle position, the recreational guy. And he thinks, not very long before shoving it in my eye, he just jams it all in and I snap fold and he takes the pot. All right, let's talk about the reasons why I screwed this hand up because I think I did have some good reasons for floating the flop and planning to, to kind of bluff it later in the hand, uh, considering the player and the properties of my of my hand. But there are two big problems with my plan here. Number one, I think floating uh, with the intention of taking the, the pot away later is a really good idea, but not necessarily when it's five ways. There's just too many hands that can be out there that can really screw with you. You know, people can be slow playing queens. People can be slow slow playing, you know, the under full of nines. Uh, People can be slow playing full houses with queen nine. I mean, it's just like when the more players there are in the pot, the more chance you have of getting screwed here. So I think this play would be pretty reasonable heads up or maybe even three-handed, but five ways, man, it is just too optimistic to float basically naked on the flop and then plan to take it away later. It's just a little too elaborate and you just run into too much resistance. The other part of the plan, and here's where I really think I should have abandoned it, is when the early position guy over on the flop, right? It came queen, queen, nine with two spades. The recreational guy bet four, uh, 35 and I called it. And now the early position guy overcalled the 35. What the fuck do I think he's overcalling with, right? Do I think he's overcalling with a nine? No. He almost always either has a queen and he's trapping, or he's got a full house and he's trapping, or he's got a draw. And when the king of spades comes in on the turn, he made it. Now he ended up folding, but after the hand, he told us that he had made a flush. So he makes a flush, he checks it. The middle position guy bets 45, I raised to 200 and he just decides to get out of the way. So he made a really tight fold. He said he was afraid of somebody having a bigger flush than him. Now you can't just count on people folding flushes in this situation, but I should have known once he checked, called the flop behind me that he either had a big trap or he had a draw and, uh, and he ended up making that draw. So I should have abandoned the plan then. Like I said, I think there were some good elements here, but I think there were two different points where uh, you know, I I just kind of powered through in a spot where I kind of should have just given up. And I I also got to say this, man. This guy who ended up stuffing it in my face after the hand, he shows king, queen of hearts. So he made the top full house. Well, the second top full house, but essentially the effect of nuts. And he three-bet jammed in my face. I'm super lucky that he did that because... If he had just called and checked the river, I would have bombed it and lost all my damn money. I actually got really, really lucky not to blow all my money. You know, some guy folded a flush, the other guy three bet jammed the flop with a full house like it all saved me money. But in the end, you know, I lost almost $250 that I didn't need to lose on this kind of ill-advised, elaborate bluff, five ways, fire me into the goddamn sun. All right. Let's get on to Hand 2, a uh, five-way bluff that I actually do pull off, uh, which is way cooler than this one. Stay tuned for that. All right, Hand 2. Hand 2 comes from a session I played earlier this week at Stone's Gambling Hall. Stones, as you guys know if you listen to this podcast, is uh, one of my favorite card rooms in the area. Love this place. I played during the week, so the 2-5 wasn't running, so I played the 1-3, but as I've told you many a time, the 1-3 at Stones plays like a 2-5. It's a match stack game, so stacks are often in the four figures, and it's often straddled as this hand is. So this hand is one three six, and there are three limps. And it gets to me on the button, and I have seven six offsuit. So I play a predominantly razor fold strategy preflop, but there is the rare occasion where I will over limp, and this certainly qualifies. Uh, I think this hand is far too weak to raise, uh, just because it's it's offsuit and there are already multiple limpers. So even if I raise, I have to raise big. And even then, I'm probably going to get some callers. And it's just not a hand that really has a lot of barrel ability post-flop the way I like to play. That said, there's already a bunch of limpers. I have the button. I'm certainly not folding the hand. So I think this hand is okay to limp. I do limp. And one of the blinds calls and we end up going five ways to a flop. And the flop is Jack 4-3-rainbow. So with our 7-6 offsuit, we flop a gutter ball to the nuts if a 5 comes. The big blind checks, and now the straddle leads out for 20 into a pot of 35-ish. The cutoff next to me calls. Uh, There's a couple of folds. The cutoff calls, it gets to me, and I decide to call the 20. Uh, I am more than 1,000 deep with the original razor. And I just think, man, if I drill a five and he has a good hand, like two pair or make something like that, or just a jack he can't let go of, I can win a pretty big pot. So I decide to peel for 20 and the big blind actually check calls the 22. So four of us continue to the turn, jack four, three on the flop, and the turn comes a nine. So pretty blankish card. The big blind checks again. Now the straddle who let out on the flop, he checks. The cutoff next to me checks and it gets to me and I don't love the idea of bluffing here. There's just multiple people who've already said they have a little bit of something and it'll generally take uh, multiple barrels to get this through and it's just not a spot that I think is that great. So I just decide to check back, see if I can bink my five and we do not bink a five. It comes in offsuit deuce. So the board is run out, jack four, three, nine deuce. We're left with our dick in our hand with seven six high. And now the big blind leads out into the field for $20. 20 bucks into a pot of like 115. The Straddle, who is the guy who let out for 20 on the flop and then checked the turn, he now calls the 20. The cutoff next to me folds and it gets to me, and I see a golden fucking opportunity. Why do I see the opportunity? Well, for two main reasons. Number one, I think both of these players have really weak hands. The big blind uh, just check called on the flop and then check the turn. And now he's betting 20 bucks into 115, almost a sixth of the pot. So almost never does he have a hand like two pair or a straight or anything like that, because he'd be betting bigger. Like if you made a big hand, you'd probably want to bet bigger for value. So I just think it's really, really seldom that he's got anything good here. Now the straddle calls the 20, and he's very capped because he's not raising the 20. So almost always he has one pair, and almost always that pair is some sort of okay jack, right? Think of what the guy did. He was in the straddle, so he checked his option uh, preflop. Then he led for 20 on jack 4-3. He got a number of callers. He didn't continue on the turn, and now he's just calling the $20 bet, here on the river, this guy is definitely capped at one pair. The second part is that I hold a key blocker. I hold a six in my hand, right? I have six, seven on Jack four, three, nine deuce. And that's really important because the five, six straight got there and I can easily represent five, six. I certainly would limp with it. Uh, just like I limped with seven, six, I'd call a bet on the flop. I could easily check behind the turn and just try to realize my hand just like I did, and the deuce comes, bam, I make the nuts with 5-6. Of course I don't actually have 5-6, I have 6-7, but the fact that I hold a 6 in my hand, I don't think it's too relevant here because I don't think these guys have that hand anyway, but certainly having the blocker makes me feel a little bit better. So I decide to pull the trigger, and I raise pretty large, I raise to 150. The big blind thinks about it for a while, looks pissed off, looks Perturbed, and he mucks his hand, and I'm expecting the straddle to fold his hand really quick. But he goes deep into the tank. But you, you guys already got the spoiler early in the episode. You know he folds his hand. You know he folds his hand, and he does. And I take down the pot. And I think this was just a slick little bluff, right? This is a situation where multi-way. A lot of the times, you're going to want to play pretty honestly. I don't think there's that many great opportunities to make bluffs multiway, but I definitely try to do it more than most people, I think, because the dynamic is that everybody else pretty much is playing honestly multi-way. So their actions are very honest. they're very uh they're very congruent with their actual holdings. People tend not to play as tricky. people tend not to bluff as much as well they shouldn't. and when you recognize this, you can find the situations where, you can put in big bluffs and, and get some hands through. And this was a cool little hand, man. I won, you know, an extra $155 that I wouldn't have if I wasn't kind of dialed in and paying attention. And yeah, I talk about this a lot on this podcast, how I, I really strive to play with a high intensity. It would have been really easy for me to fold my 7-6 here on the river. I have nothing. There's there's a bet and a call on the river. And I could just fold and and one of these other guys could win the pot. But you know what? Fuck all that. These guys didn't deserve this pot. They're playing their hands super weak. They're playing their hands face up. And I think if you can just take advantage of these spots once a session or even once every couple of sessions, man, that's just a big boost to your win rate. And it's something that that I really try to focus in on just finding these spots that that aren't super obvious, but if you're really paying attention, you know, just a huge source of value. So yeah, man, congratulations to me. I'm proud of myself. Obama putting a medal on himself, dot meme, good for me. All right, that's it, you guys. Quick little episode here, uh, but I hope you liked it. I hope it was fun. As always, please subscribe to the podcast uh, so that when I do drop episodes, they will just automatically show up in your feed. And if you're feeling especially magnanimous, scroll down in your podcast app, leave me some stars, really appreciate it. It helps the podcast out. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, play good and run pure.